Can't get enough of Cthulhu and Cairo? Join our Patreon for as low as $3 per month to access special features and bonus content. You can find us online at patreon.com slash thebardiccollege. You're listening to a 7th edition Call of Cthulhu podcast titled Cthulhu in Cairo, brought to you by the Bardic College. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the show to receive notifications as our future episodes release. You can visit us on Facebook at the Bardic College. Viewer discretion is advised. Good evening, and welcome to Cthulhu in Cairo. I'm Raz, I'm your keeper for this evening. We have a couple players with us and one missing, but the story will allow for that with no problem, because our beautiful and lovely Aveline is doing her thing. So when we last uh, were with our group, they had spent several days in London wrapping up their affairs, getting ready to follow a trail of leads. They're not sure exactly what these six items of power that they've sort of discovered need to be collected, what that's going to do yet. But they do know that there is a group of men, women, uh, looking for these items as well. They've caused some serious chaos to friends and family so far, and our investigators have decided that of the six items, Berlin and the Blundflan of the National Socialist Party, their flag, the blooded flag, is one of the items of power that was prophesized by Helena Blavatsky, a psychic from uh, the late 1800s, a medium, and uh, someone who the party itself, the hierarchy and leadership, uh, used a lot of her references in their rhetoric. So they're boarding a plane, and they are preparing themselves to head to Tempelhof from the airport in London, and that flight should take about six out, five to six hours. So they're loading up the planes when a car pulls up, and a gentleman steps out that John recognizes. And, John, it looks like Mr. Beddoes. Mr. Beddoes. Yep. And he okay. starts walking towards you. I go to greet him and sort of talk to him privately away from the others. Okay. So the rest of you see this well-dressed gentleman, uh, late 40s, uh, small glasses, but you know, the smaller size spectacles, about 5'10". If you saw him in a room full of businessmen, he would blend in nobody, nothing really that puts him aside as somebody special or more handsome or less handsome. But John does walk over to him. They seem to recognize each other well. There, there's a smile as they greet each other. And John, what Mr. Beddoes says to you is, our friend, uh, Miss Aveline, has offered to carry the weapons in the flight that she'll be coming in to Berlin with tomorrow since those items would be confiscated when you arrive. If the group feels comfortable doing this, I do have a chest in the back. And he goes over and he walks to the the boot, lowers it, opens up a chest. There's, you know, cloths and stuff to wrap everything. He says, uh, she'll be coming in on a private flight, sir. So less chance of running into a customs agent and it'll be late at night. But your commercial flight, more than likely these items would not be allowed in the country. So we will uh, we will not be armed heading in then. Um, yeah, so Berlin, um, at this point you need a permit to carry a weapon because there's been so much violence in the streets. A woman carrying a very, very small caliber pistol in her purse probably would get over, like, they'd be okay with. But anything military grade, any type of rifle, shotgun... You're just not allowed to have it. 
Well, um, I appreciate the forethought, Mr. Beddoes. Well, you know, Miss, we were talking, and Miss Aveline thought this would be, since she couldn't make it herself and is be joining you tomorrow, she thought this might be the safest way to get the your equipment inside. If there's anything else, sir, that your friends need to discreetly bring into Berlin, please let me know. Um, I go back to the group and just explain to them that uh, this is a contact I have who is going to help um, spirit in our weapons and any other items that uh, we might be afraid would be confiscated in a more secure fashion than the way we're traveling across. So if anybody has anything in mind, I, I of course, pull out uh, my uh, my weapons to, to hand over to them. Anybody else depositing, or are you going to risk it? Because I'm an explorer, and it's part of my job. Would I have a permit, or would it have to be a permit specific to the city of? No, you would have to have one with the German government. Uh, you do not have a permit to carry in Berlin. All right, I'll give mine over to uh, for Aveline to bring the next time. And when you go over, Mr. Beddoes is nice enough to say, thank you, madam. Miss Aveline Hammond will be bringing the items across tomorrow evening when she makes the trip. And looks at Sid and says, sir, anything that you wish to store in the trunk? Sure. So I, I hand over my forty four automatic, uh, my thirty oh six bolt action rifle, uh, my knife, and uh, the shotgun that we picked up from the uh, bookstore, I guess it was. He smiles at you and <laughs> as he's about to close the trunk, he says, no nunchucks, sir? Uh, Three-piece staff, machete. <laughs> Don't be foolish, mate. Just close the boot. <laughs> so he locks that I'm up. I'm making mental note that Mr. Beddoes has a sense of humor. <laughs> he does it's when always he's... good to have a sense of humor. He does when he sees more at weapons coming off the four of you than in the armory. <laughs> it's a little disconcerting. <laughs> I'm glad I brought the larger trunks, sir. <laughs> Okay, so Beddoes puts the rest of the items in the car. Everything seems to be all in order. He does give John the itinerary for the flight for Aveline tomorrow night. She'll be arriving German time at about 2 a.m., not today, tomorrow. So that'll be good. And um, he says goodbye to everybody and jumps in the car and drives away with your weapons and any other equipment that might be considered illegal or stuff you didn't want customs getting their hands on. Have I been given the um, the point man's name at the uh, the club in Berlin? Yes, it's Hans Reildorf. So the plane itself can only carry the four of you and two other passengers plus a pilot. It's single prop. You know, they're already out there getting it. They're pulling down on it, trying to, you know, start the engine, get the everything flowing. The pilot's standing outside. You've Tickets have been paid for, courtesy of different people along the way. Catherine, quick question for you, since you're, yeah. uh, you still live here. Have you given anyone in your family, your uncle, aunt, the idea that you're heading to Berlin and you'll be in touch? Um, have you told them that you're traveling, that you're going to be out of the country? Hadn't thought about that. It's not a tough sell. It's, I'm traveling to Berlin. I'm not traveling to Berlin. Just tell me what you got. Yeah. We've told my uncle. Not Your the uncle family knows. back in the States. Yeah. Okay. And he knows that you'll wire or call when you reach the hotel just to give him an update to your locale. Mm-hmm. But okay. nothing more than that. Yeah. Mel's doing that with her dad. Um, yeah. John probably is on his own because he's a guy. No, I'm just joking. It's uh, John doesn't have. On the prowl. Um, he doesn't have the deep roots uh, in Portugal yet that maybe Mitt would call for that. And Sid is a playboy and mechanic. Two other people board the plane, um, a man and a woman. 
they seem to be uh, about 10 years apart in age. She's following. She has the the hat on. She's dressed appropriately. Air travel was not cheap at this point. It was coming down in price, but it was still only for the very well-off. Between 31, 32, and 38, it starts to become a much more usable form of transportation, but it's in its infancy commercially at this point. Pilot checks you all in, takes your name off the list, thanks you very much, tells you it'll be a wonderful flight, skies are in good shape, and they load up the little bit of luggage that each person is allowed to carry, and in about 10 or 15 minutes, uh, he'll have everybody up in the air. He goes around the front of the plane, gentleman comes running out, they speak briefly. Uh, The inside of the plane is a plane. It's, if you've ever been in a Piper Cub or a smaller aircraft, It's narrow. The seats are somewhat cushioned, but they're not overly comfortable. They're just there. It it really is about function. Uh, Weight is a big, big deal to these planes, so there's not a lot of, you know, fluff and things that, if it's not necessary, they don't have it. You sit down, take your seats. So row one is the gentleman and the lady. How are the other four sitting? Row two with the the two seats? The gentleman? Are we? Are we? Probably boy girl, cross-legged. Boy girl? Probably. I'm thinking. You know, I, I would sit down in row two. Row two, John, and Sid. I'll row go to two. row three. Sid, row three, I think. Breaking sure. all kinds of habit. Okay, and then well, Faye, no, are you I, sitting girl, with Sid girl. or with John? I'll sit with John. And Catherine. I'll sit oh, on. I... I'll sit on Faye's side, but with um in the third row. So Faye's directly in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Just so when it crashes, I can deal out damage. Um, oh, thank God. <laughs> just want to know legs, arms, possible, you know, overall injuries. Her face head is going to end up after it's <laughs> removed from her shoulders. From its shoulders. Yeah, pilot gets in. Uh, the other gentleman he was speaking to pulls the blocks out from under the tires. Everything starts to, you know, cavitate you know, and tremble inside. The woman in the very front seat, it's all boys down one row, all girls down the other. It sort of worked out. She reaches her hand out and grabs the other man's, the, the gentleman's shirt uh, or coat. She's holding onto his sleeve. Uh, he pats her hand, gives her the look like, relax, will you? Sid, give me a... Um, Give me a psychology roll, because you're directly behind him. Um, oh, no, wait. Psychology. I'm sorry. John is directly behind him. So, John, you want to give me okay. that roll, please? That is a hard success, not a critical success. Okay. It doesn't take much. <laughs> it didn't take quite that kind of a number. Uh, he pats her hand, and his entire body language just says, even from the back, I'm afraid. <laughs> like... <laughs> He really doesn't appear. (laughs) He does not appear comfortable. Uh, Shoulders squared, chest. You know, he's his arms are pushing himself back into the into the seat, like somehow that's going to keep him safer if it you know goes nose diving. But he's yeah. Is it nighttime right now, or is there is there daylight now? No, um, it's probably about one thirty, two o'clock in the afternoon. You'll get there just as. Uh, evening flying is very restricted. Um, Understood. Yeah, so on commercial uh, yeah, I flights... I lean forward in my seat. I lean forward and kind of whisper in his ear. Okay. Whisper, but you know, I lean forward and quietly tell him, I'm like, I tell him, look out the window and stare at the horizon. Okay. It'll help. 
he he kind of looks over his shoulder and gives you a delicious green pollar. <laughs> and his eyes are Ooh. sort of rolling up into his head as the plane is accelerating. Uh, Sid's in the back making a joke with Catherine about the removal of arms and legs and how it can be rather funny. And <laughs> they're just yucking it up. Uh, and this guy is doing everything he can to, to convince the lady with him that it's going to be okay and not spew his lunch all over the <laughs> the wall of the pilot's cabin. But the plane, when it when it's torn, has this great way of just cutting right, right. through the body, yeah, like a knife, just hot <laughs> like butter. And... What the hell are you guys talking about back there? Asian, my love. <laughs> great. The plane hits one good shot. On a on the runway where it's just you think the wheels are coming off and then all of a sudden she starts to glide and she's up uh, and away. Uh, the speed is. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought we were in the air already. So he's getting, <laughs> he's getting air on the ground. Boy, this guy's not in good shape. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the 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 speed of these planes it's it's not great. <laughs> so. It's, you know, it's a couple hundred miles an hour at best. So the plane is at cruise speed. Altitude is not super high because they're not pressurized cabins. So you're kind of flying about seven, maybe 8,000 feet. You can see pretty clearly if you look out and you're crossing the channel fairly quickly. Flight goes pretty much uneventful for the first three or four hours. Everybody give me a con roll with a minus 10 for the loud white noise that's just droning to see if anybody dozes off a little bit. Okay, Faye is drooling. <laughs> Sid looks like he's out. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. Faye is on Professor Schooley's shoulder, drooling, right. snoring. Schooley's on, leans his head on her head, um, which is across this small aisle. So the two of you are like, kind of just passed out. Uh, I thought we were right next to each other. No, no. There's a left, right, and the aisle's just big enough for, you know, someone to sideways slide down. So it's not like you're super far away. But So basically everyone but Catherine is dozing off, including the young lady and gentleman in the front. So, Catherine, you're looking out the window. Uh, it is getting it's been a couple hours you're you're flying towards the sunset you know it's it's coming at you but it's still fairly bright when you see what what you think you see is somebody leaning over the the pilot so his there's no real privacy door here Uh, these older planes it was just they scooted into the front of the cabin and that was it again a door has weight and they try to save it but somebody seems to have gotten up out of the chair where the co-pilot would be sitting and is leaning over and he's pretty tall um close to six six and a half feet tall and he's got his one hand on the pilot's shoulder and he's whispering into his ear sid is asleep everybody's asleep i poke sid like hey wake up okay sid sid doesn't wake up what do you I poke Faye. I'm I'm behind her. I poke Faye. Does she not wake up too? Faye is fully asleep. Out. Okay, I then go to poke John, and by poke John, I mean I violently shake John. <laughs> okay. John must not be a one-trick pony here. John's head lolls on his shoulders. 
Okay. The tall man has leaned in a little bit closer. Make a listen roll over the noise. Dear God in heaven. Peppering his ears with kisses, maybe? I'm sure that's what it is. 20! Yeah. Okay. Which is a hard success. Awas. Lauren, you feel the plane accelerate and the pilot's hands drive forward. The plane is diving. John is thrown into the seat in front of him. He's bouncing against the other man. That guy is falling out. He's on the floor. The woman's just flawling around. Faye seems to be, you know, doubled over. No one is responsive, and the pilot is desperately driving the plane in towards the ground. How long would it take me to make a thing of morphine in my medical bag to stab this tall guy? I don't know. Why don't you give me a medical check and we'll figure it out? Okay. (laughs) Oh, we're going with the old morphine trick? I want to stab the guy, get him off my pilot, and then try to get the thing up in the air again. Oh, okay. You know, my nurse sister is downstairs. I could always go phone a friend and ask her. Nah. Let's let's make a roll. Epinephrine to the heart. <laughs> we we don't need to roll between friends. I mean, I, I think we just make this a, a go. This is a go. Happens, mm. I think. Yeah, this is what I call uh, okay, a it, gamekeeper discretion. Uh-huh. Let's say, okay, because I'm not medically minded. If this whole epinephrine to his heart thing is no. better. No. No, that's okay. that's a hell of a strike through the chest bone. Six. What did you roll? A six. Okay, so you probably had a juicer already online. Right. <laughs> you, you you had one already set in the bag from what happened to oh, Aveline. So you thumb flick off the cover. And you go running towards the pilot. And as you do so, you hear, "Ah!" And there's nobody there but the pilot who is eyes wide looking at you going, What the fuck? Nice move, Catherine. Nope. Everybody's asleep. No, I know. I know. I know. The still going down. We're not going down? That was a question for the keeper. Oh no! Do I feel the pl- do I feel the plane going down? No, no, the plane's I level. Drop, I drop the morphine. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I fell asleep. I must have seen something. I thought there was a um. I'm sorry. Are you a doctor? Yes. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> I I must have fallen asleep. Sir, I apologize. I, I'm backing up. Like, I'm not... I, I pick up the morphine, but I don't hold it near him. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm putting this plane down. This no, is not... no, no, no. No, please don't put the plane down. I, I'm fine. My friends will look after me. I, I don't know why someone let me run up here. Oh, they're asleep. That's why. Oh, my um, God, lady. <laughs> I... I only got my license a month ago. Great, just great. That's really um, it's good to know. Sorry to frighten you. You're doing a fine job. Really? Yeah, yeah. You're doing great. Um, I'm gonna go sit down now. That this was this has been fun. So I need you to make I need you to make either a history or an intel roll 
um, to see if you can discern what happened. Could I please use intel? I'd love for you to. Okay. 37, which is a hard success. Okay, so you're sitting there, you're very shaken. Uh, Clearly, I've almost just stabbed this man. Well, that's not what's shaking you. Mm-hmm. You've stabbed people before. Let's not let's not okay, play. Yeah. Um. Let's not play that game. <laughs> okay. So let's see what we got. You're gonna lose one point of sanity. Makes sense. Yeah. And Makes sense. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and as you're sitting there discerning what actually transpired, what you feel you saw was that maybe the man wasn't as tall as you originally thought. But he was wearing a very t- long, tall hat. Something that sat on his head that made him look okay. longer, taller. Like and the Anubis mask of the guy from the Reeve house? No, no. Um, no? You don't feel okay. it had that look. It, came, it was almost, it was sort of roundish, but it had a point. Um, you were seeing it from the back. But the shadow that it casted made him look very big, very long. And you also think he might have been wearing some sort of either kilt or skirt, some sort of wrapping because his legs were exposed. That that comes back to you. You remember his legs were exposed. Okay. I, to the best of my knowledge, mm-hmm. I try and sketch this out on a, on a piece of paper from Do you my... have art? No. Okay. So give me a roll. It would... It would be a very, very poor sketch. Yeah, stick figures. That's what I'm looking no, for. So give me a roll. Exactly. Just so I can show this to somebody else. Okay, it's so... 72. It's not gonna... It, yeah. I'm, no. it, it looks like a dog in a cherry tree. You're really not coming across with what you're... Yeah, okay. But it, you it was get, a thought. But you write down the words. Um, tall that, hat. Mm-hmm. Skirt. Scary guy. Yeah, big plane old... Plane taking a, dozer, a nosedive. Everybody sleeps for another... 30, 40 minutes. Uh, then they start naturally coming to. Well-rested, well-controlled. Everybody's feeling a little bit refreshed. Nice way to pass the time. You won't be sleeping for the rest of the day. Your so. sh- nerves are shot. You thought <laughs> for sure this life. thing was going down. That yeah. makes sense. Okay, so with that happening, uh, the plane continues on its way. Comes banking down to Temple Half Airport. You hear the call come in over the radio. Uh, <laughs> the pilot mumbles something about passenger, insane, needle, midair threat, help. <laughs> you know, all those things pilots say to the ground crew when they're a little bit sh- shaken. <laughs> but otherwise, uh, we'll, let's give a l- roll for the landing since he is a new pilot. Come on, let's stick this landing. Let's stick this sucker. <laughs> Get in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Away. So it, it's not that he would have crashed or anything, but the landing the landing is, it's raining here in Berlin. The skies were clear coming out, but by the time they got into this area, there is a drizzle. Uh, but he comes down, though, and, you know, gets the double click, and all of a sudden there's a little skidding. Plane goes, and then starts to come under control. He brings it around. There's no ladders up to the side these planes weren't off the ground that high it's easily just a step out and he pulls up near a hangar kills the engine jumps out of the cockpit opens the door and starts helping everybody down you know to make the step except for you Catherine. you he does not offer a hand to 
Uh, instead, he goes around to the back of the plane and starts unloading the luggage. You are met by an officer who's not dressed like standard police, a little bit different, gray uniform, not the traditional black. He's got a hat. He's got some sort of rank or insignia, but it's all basically airport security type stuff. Does help everybody with their bags onto a trolley, takes the trolley over into the hangar itself, and then starts checking everybody in. Melinda, let's start with you. Good evening, madam. Uh, your name is Hi. Faye Dawson. And what brings you to Germany? I'm here for research purposes. What kind of research? I am an explorer by trade. And Berlin has already been discovered, madam. Why are you here? It's not that I'm exploring Berlin, no. Um, I'm here to explore all the uh, artifacts and history that Berlin has to offer. Um, my mm. father works for uh, New York University in the history department. New York University, madam? Mm -hmm. Would that be in the United States of America? Yes. Hmm. And how long are you planning to stay? Um, only a few days, not very long. You must research quickly. Yeah? Um, yes, I am on my way to Egypt after this to assist on a dig. So this is only a pit stop as a favor for my father. I see. Well, good luck in Egypt. Thank you very much. Professor John Schooley. Yes, sir. Welcome. Uh, what brings you to Germany? I respond to him in German that um, I am uh, accompanying the uh, Egyptologist um, on her trip. And uh, stopping here in Berlin, I was looking to uh, look up a friend of mine who works at the, uh, the Berlin University. And uh, since in, in to explain that I'm a, a history professor from Portugal. Okay. Much different attitude the minute you drop into German. Uh, smiles, very affable. A asks if you're also accompanying her back, to, you know, on her way to Egypt. So you'll are you only here a few days, sir? And, and explain to him, yes. Okay. And then anything to declare? Any, you know? Mm, just, my, just my normal belonging. Okay. Thank you very much. And he clicks his heels and gives you the half salute, the half nod, hands you back your passport, looks over to Sid, looks at the mustache, grins, small kiss. I'm not joking. So, Mr. Polter, welcome to Germany. What brings you here, sir? I'm here with the ladies. I can't even say it. I can't even think about it. I'm here with the ladies. You just threw me off the kiss. Well, why were you kissed? Berlin. He I wasn't don't know kissed. I was kissed because I look like the Kaiser. Probably he wasn't kissed. He surreptitiously winked at him and gave him a little look. Oh, because you know. of the mustache. Okay. The mustache, and that okay. at this point in time, Berlin had the largest outed LGBTQI community in the world, beating Paris. So Berlin is very much a city of angels. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm not an angel. So, Mr. Polter, no. you are here for? Pleasure. Mm. I see. He says, well, and how long will you be staying? Uh, I'm staying with the ladies. I'm staying at the same time as, as Miss Dawson and, and Miss Ross and, and uh, Professor Schooley. We're all sort of traveling companions together, so. 
my journey will be as long as their journey. Very good. He says, uh, I'm going to mark that down here. You see him do something with his pen near your passport. Anything to declare, sir? Any toe to top gives you the look. Just my luggage. Personal items. Your accent has uh, left you, Mr. Poulter. I see. <laughs> it has for the moment. Well, here's your passport. Clicks his heels. Not, not you know, does the bow slightly deeper and hands everything back to you. And he says, I hope that uh, you enjoy your time here in Germany for the pleasure. So give me a spot hidden. Joel's like, I want to fail this one. Yeah, we need, we need to fail this badly. <laughs> oh, no, Sid. <laughs> oh, no. Fudge biscuits. So written in your passport is a word. Zauberflutsche and the number uh, 11. Last but not least, Guten Tag. Guten Tag. Uh, takes your passport. And uh, your nature of your business here, Miss Ross? Um, these, are my, these are my friends. I'm traveling with them. Faye and I are both New Yorkers. We've known each other for several years. She invited me to come to Berlin with her on this trip. It says that you've been in London for some time. Yes. But you are an American. Correct. Expat? Yes. She. You can clearly see she is not wanting to talk about this. Right. Yeah. Which makes him more curious. Yeah. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Anything to declare? Absolutely nothing. Oh, I should say, I'm a registered nurse. I do have a medical bag, if that is something to declare. I will have to give you some papers for that. Oh, um, please. Please put deposits back here. He holds up the uncapped syringe and looks over at the pilot who nods his head yes. Oh, there you go. And he says, could you tell me about what happens on the plane? What happened on the plane? Yeah. It's a plane that you came here in. Yes. And he's... I'm a... Yes, sir. I, I can see that clearly. I'm, I can see it clearly now. I was a bit shaken on the plane. Was the plane I, having a problem? No, absolutely not. Your pilot did an excellent job flying. Commend him. He, I heard he's new. Um, ah, three weeks. So he told me a month or two. Good. Truthful pilot. I had, what I believe happened to me is that I fell asleep and in a, I'd, I was having an incredibly vivid nightmare about the plane going down and someone accosting the pilot. So... I couldn't, and, and in this dream, I couldn't wake anyone, so I thought it would have been my responsibility to help him. And the sur the syringe was for his assailant that I'd I thought I'd seen, but when I woke from the dream, there was no, no one there. Perhaps something to settle your nerves before you fly next time, yeah? Absolutely. He reaches over, grabs a pad, has you sign. It's yep. for the medical bag. You're mm -hmm. going to be able to keep it on you. But it is going to be, and you have to keep a copy of this particular form right. at all times, saying that it was checked in and that he deemed that it was a necessary part of your luggage. Germans are very much about forms, even back in 1930. And uh, asks you a couple more b basic questions and then sends mm. you on your way. Got so it. that's all fine. The well, pilot that wasn't, 
That wasn't uncomfortable at all. Right. The pilot right. pretty much watches you go out for quite, you know, as you walk away. He's, uh, you're not sure if he didn't lose a little bit more sanity than you do. Like, he's, he's only done several commercial flights, and this one goes down in the books as his first time he was attacked, you know, while flying. So that's good. So Tempelhof Airport is almost center in Berlin. City, as you come out, it's about 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. Uh, it is starting to get dark. Streetlights are popping on in some districts. So as you look out from the airport, you know, the, the region you're in, the sector you're in, is pretty well lit up. Um, there are all kinds of, you know, nightlife bars and clubs and all different types of things going on already starting to... The lights are coming on, but nobody goes out and really starts enjoying the uh, after-hours activities until past nine. There are cabs, only a few because there's not a lot of flights every day, only a couple a day. There are, But there are a cab or two lined up. You had indicated before our session that you wanted to pick someplace a little bit more in a seedier part of town. Is that how I'm understanding what you're saying? Yeah, but not unsafe. Yeah, no, I, you're not looking to be in the... We don't want to do the New York City scene from Live and Let Die. That's not what we're looking for. No, 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 <laughs> no. But you're also not looking for the Ritz, so... Correct. Correct. Like okay. just middle of the road, you know, hostel or something like that. So you want the one that has the least amount of things the keeper can use against you is what you're saying? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yep. That's the one. I just one. want to stay away from the magic <laughs> flute. That's all. Magic flute? Mm-hmm. What is a magic flute? Okay. I can't tell you because that would be metagaming. Because that, oh. w- because that would be telling. Okay. All right, so the Hotel Adalm is nice, but it's older, and it is in the center of the city, but it's it's being outshined over the last five or ten years by some of the nicer, bigger hotels that have been built uh, and renovated. Uh, this building, older, different type of decor, heavier woods, very, very turn-of-the-century looking. So it's not doing the business it once wanted, it, it, it wants to, or it once did. But uh, we'll call that probably your best bet for being fairly centrally located. So you tell the taxi cab driver, he drives you that way. Um, who's doing the general speaking? The only two of you speak actual German, is that correct? I speak German, but like minimal. Right. You can, you're passable, Lauren, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just you and Schooly, I think. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't okay. speak German. Yeah. I'm going to say that Captain and I had had a conversation already. Okay. Go and ahead. I, I, I think it's a good idea if she handles uh, if there's any German that we're going to speak. And I am going to keep the fact that I speak German a little bit more uh, uh, off the radar. Okay. Because uh, you can hear you can hear all sorts of interesting things when people don't think that you speak their language. That is true. That Not is a true. bad plan. And when I, when I say that Catherine can speak German, I'd like everyone to know I can say, hi, how are you? How have you been injured? And like, what kind of sandwich do you want? It's not great. So Yeah, I mean, my German, my German was learned during World War One. Same. Um, it's passable. Uh, yeah. But it's like, it's like one of my top skills or something like that. Also, it's a pretty, you know, this is a, this is a European metropolitan city. Yeah. They're, most likely, most people are going to be passable in English as well, I would uh, imagine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in the district you're staying in, yes, concierge would probably be able to be, get by. 
uh, front desk people, maids, maybe not so much. Uh, most of the nightclubs, someone there will be able to, you know, be fluent. Police, it'll be hit or miss. But the locals, the the down and out, the the poorer class, it's going to be a little tougher. But again, not that it's going to be impossible. It's just you may have to walk around a few minutes till you find somebody. But one, in, like I said, in the area where you're staying, you shouldn't have any real problems. It should be okay. And cab drivers, if you don't speak this, can you get by in a little bit of French? Can you buy – because it's Europe and they're all right there together. Uh, so, Catherine, you get the recommendation mm-hmm. for the Hotel Adlon. All right. So the cab goes through the streets, um, makes – couple lefts, couple rights. Um, you are noticing that people are out of work now. They're moving around. They're starting to make their way homes. Um, there are streetcars that run through this section of the city, so they're able to be used by everybody as a cheap form of transportation. But in a very traditional and typical German style, they don't stop. Um, they just keep going. So it's on and off sort of at your own risk. So that's Adlon, uh, on the outside. The inside is, is pretty interesting. Uh, I'll just go through and explain some of it. As you enter, it almost looks like a catacomb, uh, really weird vaulted ceiling pedestals, but old Gothic architecture inside these stone columns that seem to be, you know, straining to hold this massive architecture up in the air. The cushions, all the the couches are in a dark, dark red velvet. Just a very heavy atmosphere. Not a lot of the lights, uh, the windows are covered over with almost blackout type drapes. They're open, emitting some of the street light, but for the most part, it's dark in here. There is electricity in these buildings, obviously. And this hotel, you won't have to pay for electricity like some of the others, um, where you have to drop a coin in a box and set the timer. This one is included in your fare. So you walk up to the front desk, and Catherine, go ahead and take the shot. You don't have to roll. Just tell me what you're saying. Okay. And in what um, language? In German. Then you need a roll. Even to say, hello, do you speak English? Oh, no. Yeah. Go ahead. So you throw okay. that one. He yeah, says, like, um... Uh, How do you say it, uh, Lauren? I, I don't speak German, so... But... Sprachen Sie Deutsch. Nein. Not Sprachen Sie... <laughs> no, Sprachen Sie Sprach- Anglais. Or English, right? Not well, German. Yeah, Sprachen Sie Anglais. Anglais. So, yeah. or something along those lines. So yeah. you, you throw that out, and he says, mm-hmm. A bit, madam. Uh, good evening. Uh, good evening. I'm looking to acquire two rooms next to each other for myself and my companions. You have a reservation, of course. I, I turn and uh, did we make a reservation? No. No? No, we, we did not. No. Let me check the books, madam. Thank you so much. He opens up his ledger. <laughs> the page is empty. Okay. There's maybe one or two names at the very top. Okay. Well... We are fairly busy today, madam. I look around. Are there a lot of people? No. There's like no people in this in the lobby. Well, one old guy smoking a pipe, okay. a waiter bringing him some sort of a cocktail. Um, I have, a... uh, I have my, uh, I have my, um, 
uh, we haven't exchanged any money. We don't have any Deutschmarks. Or I'm such. sure you uh, you made um, that arrangement with the club, John, to have some of it on you. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. We probably would have had to get Deutschmarks. Yeah. I kind of uh, I, I, I as she's conversing, I take a I, I take um my money clip out and take a a ten Deutschmark oh. uh, note. Okay. And uh, I just kind of just kind of slide it across the counter and wink at him. So a ten Deutschmark note is. Be it. There's some back then. <laughs> it's worth, yeah. It's worth like a tenth yeah. of a penny right now. Well, nineteen thirty one. Yeah, you gave him the... you gave him about seven shilling. So Oh well yeah. okay. Mr <laughs> Mr. Man, you know what I'm doing trying to say. Yes. So I, you're I was, what you do I is you give what I was saying, Bruno, was that I, I had expected I had not exchanged uh, any any you know, for any local money yet, so I would still have pounds. Which he would love. Oh, he'd love a pound. pound. Yeah, you want to give him a pound? That's that's actually my original intent. Was oh, I had shit. To I'm sorry. Yet. I was going to take like a was going to take like a five pound note Ooh. and say, "Here you go." Five pound note. God. Okay. So, which one are you giving him? The one or the five? The five. Oh. He's... He'll, he'll give us a good room that way. I'm going to no, be in he's... the penthouse. You're going to have suites. Yeah, that's five. Um, he says, "I want a marble bathtub." Of course, madam. Uh, let me... Probably um, all they have is bathrooms. <laughs> he takes two keys from the top set of rung. He's like, uh, your rooms? Uh, may I just have your names for the ledger? Smith and Wesson. Smith and Wesson. Wesson. Very German. <laughs> I see. Yes. And you are Frau Wesson? Or Smith. Smith. Uh, could you sign here, Frau Smith? I sign. And Herr Vessen. <laughs> and he hands John the pen. Yeah. <laughs> and I sign. And how long will you be staying? Wesson. Yeah. How long will will you be staying? Is it? Uh, are we? In English, because um, you speak English, right? Yeah. I, I kind of look to, to Catherine, and I'm like, sweetie, are we, is it okay? Like, open-ended? Yeah. Fine. We, we're we going to enjoy the city for a few days. We don't know how long we're going to be, so. Okay. He says, um, well, in that case, um, I'll start to put it we're on gonna your We're going to do Berlin. Yeah. We'll yeah. Okay. Very well. Miss Smith, uh, ding ding, and a bellhop comes over. He's like, "Please show Miss Smith and Mister Vesson to their rooms. They're separate rooms." And he hands you both the keys. And Faye and Sid, I guess, thank follow you. So you up. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. So, okay. the elevator is not what you would expect. It's a continuously revolving. So there, each person gets in independently steps on and it's belted takes you to the top turns them upside down brings them back and comes around again so it's a full mobile of closets that each person one at a time steps in and then steps off on their floor okay i hate that okay so faye pauses our and doesn't step explorer. on <laughs> our intrepid explorer <laughs> this is what i'm exploring so everyone is looking at faye who is watching one cabinet Two cabinets, 
Three cabinets go by. The bellhop is disappearing. His feet are gone. He's like, sir, madam. And he's just, he's just riding up. Doesn't know why everybody's not jumping on. I'm sorry. Do we have to get on that thing? That's an elevator? Clearly. <laughs> he's, he's almost all the way up to the sixth floor. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, it's not a is dex it? check. It's just, you know, don't <laughs> screw it up. <laughs> Wait, you see escalators? You're gonna freak out. Uh, collapsible stairs? No, thank you. <laughs> so Sid jumps on and grabs the side real quick and makes it look like it's about to fall, which holds Faye up another thirty seconds. One. Two, three more go by. Finally, you step on. The key is to get off before it tips at the top. Otherwise, you got a serious problem. Tips? Well, it, it, it kind of does because it arcs to the top, and then the floor becomes the ceiling for people coming down. So it's a perfect box with a handle. On the way up, the handle's on the right. It rotates, and then the handle's on the left. And believe me, they had them. This is how they built the elevator, yeah. the early elevator. Yeah. They were a belt construction, yeah. Quite frightening. <laughs> so, if you feel it start to lean, do a handstand because you're about to flip over, and uh, yeah. So everybody gets out. The bellhop helps you off, Faye. He uh, obviously tells that you're from the United States. He's not impressed. Uh, elevators. Don't worry about that. Oh, you know, in perpetual motion. Sorry about that, madam. So you get up to your room. They're gorgeous. They're very nice. Everybody's a-okay. They, who's, how are the two? It's the couples, boy, girl, or girls, boys. What are we doing? I was assuming girls, boys. Okay. So Catherine and Faye go into one. The bellhop kind of looks at the luggage and then brings it in for the two women looks around and he said if there's anything you need miss smith and guest feel free to please ring the concierge or the front desk it is there's the phone baths are this way and he shows you to a bathroom very nicely accrued it does have hot water bonus everything seems to be in order and then he steps back out into the hallway and looks at sid and john and Sid gets his second interesting look of the day and then helps the boys into their room, uh, sets them up, tells them the same spiel and small tip, small tip and makes his way and shuts the door. We'll say John that you have adjoining rooms. What's that? I'm <laughs> bleeding uncomfortable, I have to say. That's the I'm, second time I, I got a gamey look. Sorry, Sid, I'm thinking that we're still in, like, you know, with English propriety, where this wouldn't, me rooming with you wouldn't be okay. I forgot that, I mean, your mustache is great. Right. People seem to like it here. Probably just should have coupled up as fake husband and wife. We probably would have gotten less looks, but, well, they're probably going to think this is some kind of weird. No, they don't think it's, the weird part was they introduced themselves as Smith and Wesson, and then she was Smith, he was Vesson, and then he said, how long are we staying, sweetie? So that made the fake couples. And then when you got up top, you paired out. That's fine. Listen, it's Berlin. <laughs> At the end of the day, 
You know what? Let us exist in our like quadruple bliss. All right. Yeah. Let it happen. Quattro bliss. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have everyone yeah. here in the room. Um, I want to share with them what I had received from my father. Please feel oh, free. Yeah, I, I want to share about my plane experience. Have, has anybody heard that yet? Faye, please go first. I what, what happened on the plane? Was, no. If your thing is if your thing is pressing. Well, I mean, it's about the safety of my father, so I would call it pressing. But uh, okay, yeah, 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 whatever. Okay, so yeah, go um, ahead. Go ahead. Anyway, um, before we left, um, London the other day, um, I got a telegram from my father. You know, not out of the ordinary. Love my dad. We talk all the time, but this one was a little weird. I'll just I'll read it word for word, and I pull it out of my purse and I unfold it. It says. My darling Faye, met a friend of yours today, told me all about your plans to travel, said he would keep an eye on me while you do so, asked that you contact me before the lake has been reached, said he wants me happy and will be happy if you rethink that part of your trip. All my love, dad. My father, but it sure as shit is not a friend, so I is have half a mind to go back to Brooklyn right now and to kick wh whoever asses my dad, but whoever it is knows. Uh, we're looking for this stuff. I don't know how they know. Well, have, have I haven't told anybody. We're either being watched or someone told someone that who told someone else. So who's been talking? Unless we, it was uh, someone who connected the dots. Yeah. We're looking around for stuff, but say I might have, I might have some connections in New York, of uh, of of some people who might be able to see after the well-being of your father. I'm not sure, but it is something I can look into. Okay, um, that would be really good. That would at least put my mind at rest, but why are they so interested in the lake? What, um, is this the lake you were talking about up in the, the Himalayas? It's the only lake that makes sense. Possibly. Gotta be. And it sounds like what you read, it sounds like a, like a threat to stay away from it. That's exactly what I'm thinking too. And they're using the person who I love the most in this world to keep me away from it. This, uh, this path we're going on might very well, for all of us, endanger those who are close to us. If there's, if there's, other, if there's some sort of uh, you know, organized effort that's fighting against, I'm sure they wouldn't be you know, above anything as far as to, to, to stop us. Maybe we should all think about other people in our private lives we might want to try to protect right now. Does anybody else have anybody close to them that you know that could be that could also be a, you know in danger? I could yeah. suggest I could suggest my my crazy uncle spends a couple weeks in Marseille, but the rest of my family haven't spoken to them in months, and they live in America. No, it was just me, mom, but she's passed now. I'm I'm all alone. What about you, John? Anybody that. I have acquaintances, people I'm close to and back in St. John's, but uh, my parents are both past and have any siblings. Your name is John and you're from St. John's? Why is this the first I'm hearing about this? St. John's, Brunswick. I'm just shocked that someone mm. such as yourself isn't married or... Life's a little bit more fun if you keep things open. Berlin! <laughs> <laughs> Berlin! So... What is happening? Catherine, you, um, yeah, Catherine, you, um, mm -hmm. do you feel 
that you want to give your uncle a call, give him a, a heads up? Do you want to just let that go? How do you feel no, about I, that? I want to give him a call. It doesn't have to be right this second. Okay. I want to explain about the plane thing. Like, before the end of the night, I'll give him a call. Okay. Like, well, remember, it's it's a two-hour, three-hour difference here, so it's still yeah. only about 4 o'clock back home, 4 or 5 o'clock. Uh, as mm -hmm. a matter of fact, let me check that because we do have the world time, and I forgot to set that up. Oh, it's only an hour difference. So then that puts it a little bit later. That Now, you're at 8 o'clock tonight, so he's at yeah. 7 p.m., so they're just past okay. dinner time. Yeah, okay. So go ahead. Talk about what happened on the plane. Okay. So you guys were heavily sleeping on this flight. I just want to point that out. Yeah, best nap of my life. <laughs> because you failed to wake up when in a sort of fever dream illusion god knows what i saw a guy with a funny hat wearing a wearing a dress or something talking to the pilot leaning over him and then the plane started to go down or so i thought so in a panic because i couldn't wake any of you i grab a thing of morphine and i go to drug the guy run down the aisle of the plane, go to grab him to drug him to try and save everyone's life and right the plane when I realize I'm holding the pilot. And the only word I heard from tall, creepy guy in a hat was AWOS. Someone tell me who this guy is because I, I keep hearing that word in my head. And I don't like it because before I met all you people, I never heard things in my head. Okay. I, like, I don't even know why I'm here. Like, why am I here? I've also heard... AWOS, but like you, I also have no idea where the hell it's coming from. I've been looking through my notes and through my books and through everything that I have. I'm, I have no idea what it means. Catherine, you encountered. That's right. Catherine, you encountered. Um, AWOS the dreamer. Yeah. You encountered yeah. AWOS in the notes also uh, from the psychiatrist. Yeah. At the asylum. Yep. Like, it's. I. I rifle through my bag. I pull out the notes, like AWOS, the name in Rose Edith Kelly's notes from the from the asylum. I heard it the night of the gala. This is starting to freak me out. I don't I don't study weird stuff. I don't go into caves and look for weird stuff. I mend broken I mend broken bones. Why am I here? Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm sorry that I didn't go to medical school and I can't shoot somebody with morphine when they don't need to be shot with morphine. Does Catherine seem like she's, like, getting frantic? She's a little bit, like, pissed. Like, frantic and pissed. Like, I've been dragged I into this. I kind of tried to, in a, in a soothing voice, say, Catherine, there are, there are powers at work here that are beyond most of our comprehension. And I'm sorry if this is a new world to you. But, it's very uh, new. Is this are, not new to you? It is not. But these are things that do not mean well for the world. And we find ourselves called at this time, at this place, to be the one to stop it. To the bottom of what AWOS means, and I haven't found anything, at least nothing written down. Well, he's, he's obviously a cult figure of some sort. It's what they were chanting at the house, too, when they had killed poor Mr. Reeves. So whatever cultish power they think they're praying to is this AWOS. AWOS right. is listening, whatever that means. Yeah. He is listening. AWOS is listening. It's like Santa Claus, like a demon Santa Claus. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> Some magnificent geezer. I don't know. 
I don't think we have any comprehension of what it is, but I have learned yeah. to, to not discount it. It's not just the ravings of lunatic. There are things out there in the dark that uh, that are there and are very real. Did anyone well, look into this, this uh, Ruth Edith Kelly and, and see if they could find any uh, hide no hair over this uh, AWOS? Maybe it's a fella. While I'm here, I have one place that I think I want to go look to figure out if they have any idea or any recollection of AWOS, but well, go over other the than notes. that, I've hit a brick wall with it. So go over the, uh, anything you recall from the lockbox. Inside the lockbox, what was there? It was the prophecy. There was, there was the, uh, the the handwritten note Okay. that was the prophecy, which, which I have here. Yep. The shapeless ones of hunger and lust fall upon great e- Egypt, this land of dust, was yep. the... Uh, was the the prominent part of that, but we discovered that that was actually um, almost word for word part of a poem that uh, Helena, uh, Helena Blavatsky had written as part of that uh, uh, Thesopical order or what have you. Yeah, about fifty um, years earlier. Yeah. Yep, and that hers, her poem is considered a prophecy, and then that's where we had learned. That led us into the the six items of power, right? Right. Uh, so what and, brings us here? Yep. And the other thing was that you were able to in the when we did that quick montage of okay for the next three days you find these six things these are the items everyone's running around the city you've sort of narrowed down that through rumor and stories and this and that that Crowley had Rosie Dith Kelly committed and part of the reasoning or the the scuttlebutt was that she actually believes and she had said this she sort of intonated this to Faye that she knew the truth that she had heard the voice that Awas was watching and had spoken to her but Crowley took full credit for it in the book of law so Sid to your point that's as far as there's been any other mention of Awas is with the Crowley Edith Kelly connection other than yeah. these brief spatterings of it and the part with during that ritual. So Faye, you think you, um, you think you might have a lead on, uh, researching some material that might be helpful for our, our, our road that lies ahead of us or even here. Yeah. So when I was in, uh, you know, when, uh, you and Aveline went to go, uh, uh, wherever the hell you guys went. Um, and I was by myself, I went to the, uh, to go to the Thesophical uh, Society, and I just did a little bit of digging. You know, that's when I broke the broke the crystal ball. Crystal ball. Thank you. Yeah, yeah broke the crystal ball, made an mm-hmm. ass out of myself. Well, I hope that that didn't reach Berlin because I was hoping to go sit the branch here and see if I can get any additional information. So I was um, going to go look there. Pretty good plan. Right, but you don't speak German, though. Not a lick of German. Right. So if we're in Germany, I'm hoping that maybe they are world travelers and speak English. Or Catherine, Catherine could accompany you that... and uh, facilitate as best you can. You so could, sure. you could probably to... also, with a local newspaper, go into the want ads and hire a young woman or a man to translate for you for the day. They do offer those services for travelers, especially through Berlin um, and other bigger inter- you know, cities. You just have to 
ask around. The concierge could arrange that, arrange that for you. Somebody that works at the hotel and they trust off hours that may speak English. Um, you can always arrange for some sort of an interpreter. Oh, okay. Okay. Do I well, now I've got a decent library as well. Yeah. You know, that being the case. Okay. Yeah. Now, again, anything, they're going to hear everything you're hearing. And, that is exactly you know, what I'm worried about. I, I mean, the chances that you're well, going to pull you... the bad guy as a translator in your first sit, I mean, that's pretty slim. I mean, it's almost. I'm worried do about. To... Do we want to just together? All go to the library together? I mean, libraries and history is kind of my thing. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It makes sense for you to go. Kind of I, wasn't sure if, I wasn't sure if we were going to, you know, stick together all of us together, go, you know, through our different tasks that we need to do here in town or split what are, up. What would our other tasks be at this moment? Well, I, we do. It's probably suggestible that we um, that we go and start uh, staking out the the Reichstag, the the location that we think this item we're here for is located. Just to start, you know, taking down guard positions, you know, movements, times, schedules. Wait, um, why would it be? Why would it be at the Reichstag? That's exactly where it is right now. Okay. He has an it's, office there. There is an office there for the National Social. They have seats. So he does have uh, the, the flag is there and they've been using it at rallies in Berlin over the last couple of weeks. I think this goes into some of the history things you talked about, Bruno, that's without questioning too much, just accept that we know well, that. This is yeah, I mean, he was already there was already votes of power for the National Socialists. They already had seats at sure. the Reichstag. So they're they're transferring now into a major metropolitan area. Bavaria is pretty much a lock, right? Like at this point, the Gestapo's even on their side. They've pretty much got that section of Ger you know the German area locked in. They're pushing through the rest of the country, and Berlin, because of all the violence and the hotbed, he has come here to rally the National Socialists and keep them strong uh, before another set of elections are coming up. So that's why he's at the Reichstag. The flag so is there currently. That seems like a reasonable course of action for yep. us to start gathering that information, taking notes, just re standard reconnaissance. Yeah, and some people have already gotten notification of names and things that they could use to perhaps help out with that. So, okay, and they're here. I mean, we'll, we we can go into that in a moment, Catherine. You have a, you know, everyone's kind of unpacking yeah. for a minute. I'm not sure if you're going to go out for the nightlife tonight or if you're just going to all crash for the evening. We can make that decision uh, as you're unpacking. Do you want to go ahead and make that phone call? Yes, let's make that phone call. Okay. Rings. Is, do we have a phone in the room? Yes. Oh, yeah. We do? Yes. Okay. So um, Catherine's in her room and I'm in my room, right? Yep. Well, she's going to make her call in the night also like to call the club. Sure. So let's deal with Catherine real quick. Phone rings, 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 rings. You hear, good evening. May I help you? Well, it's uh, it's me. It's it's Catherine. Miss Catherine, let me get the uh, master of the house for you. Hold oh, on, sorry, please. sorry. No, no, not not a problem. Mr. I your, know that we voice. sound we sound incredibly similar. I'm very sorry, madam. I should have poor connection. I should have identified myself the second I picked up the telephone. One moment, please. <clears throat> yeah. Catherine. Uncle Al, hello. <laughs> Good God, girl. How was your flight? Completely uneventful. Oh, fabulous, fabulous. Not so sure about them myself. Trust blimps and zeppelins, you know. Don't really like the whole wing in the air thing. Makes me a yes. little bit nervous. 
large <clears throat> structures full of helium, much safer, yeah. Helium? Well, uh, it, it... My God, you, do you think they'd build it if it was dangerous? Now, where are you staying? Tell me all about it. So we're staying in a rather nice hotel, crazy elevator system. I give him the name of the hotel. Hotel Eldon, yep. I give him the number. Oh, yes. In case he wants to call, leave a message. Surprise oh, for oh. you, girl. Oh. Your old school chum, Marlene, stopped by. She's right here. Let me hand her the phone to you. Most interesting news. My what? School chum. You're finishing school when you came over just before you joined the service. And she's there? Um, well, not... She's in the living room. I mean, I can get her. That's the point. No, don't don't get her. Don't get her. I'd rather She's talk She's got her. news for you, Catherine. Just... You... By God, wait, wait. She came all this way. I'm just going to put oh. the phone down. So she puts the phone Uncle. down. Hello, Catherine. Marlene? Where are you, darling? I am in Germany. <laughs> well... Aren't you lucky that I was a was here were able to catch your call? You're never going to believe what I was doing just a week ago. Guess. Polishing your spoon collection? What do you want? Oh, you're a trifle fright. No, in Venice, darling. You know, vacationing. In Venice, gondolas. Italians. You'll never Great guess spoon. who I saw. Who'd you see? Matthew. He's alive. No, he's not. Darling, I know Matthew. I've met him how many times? He's alive. I even walked up to him, shook him, and said, My God, what are you doing in Venice? No idea who I was. But it was him, Catherine. I, could, I swear. You... Darling, are you there? Oh, I'm here. I'm here. And you Same have... birthmark on the hand, dear. It was him. In the flesh. Right and... there. And the gaping wound in his head which caused his death. Catherine, I don't know about the wound, darling, but his hairline was as gorgeous as ever. I'm telling you, he's alive. What do you want from me? Why are you at my uncle's house? Darling, to tell you, I thought you'd be... I thought you'd be thrilled. This is the thanks I get for driving all the way out here. I really don't understand our friendship sometimes. You are acting like a, well, pardon the expression, a brat. I am just shocked. Of course you are. But darling. Absolutely shocked because I, I was the one who pronounced him dead. And I'm telling you I'm pronouncing him fully alive. All six foot one of him in his Glory, darling. Thank you. Get so to much. Venice. Go. It's important. Find him, Catherine. He was the love of your life. Don't let this chance pass you by. To be reunited. Oh, it's a romance worthy of worthy of Dickens. I know it's an aside. No, Dickens didn't write romances. Thank you very much. Don't write the podcast. It was a joke. Like Dickens, Marlene, truly. Been great catching up. Could you hand the phone back to my uncle, please? Oh. Well, if I ever run a into one of your ex-lovers in another foreign Italian city, consider it not being told to you. Yep. And when I, and when I run into she one of your lovers in any... I had a great comeback. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I mean, I thought Is... you said he was dead. He is dead, uncle. 
if, if I mean, Catherine, I know that you're a nurse and not a doctor, but a wound to the skull? You misread that? What's wrong with you, child? There was nothing to misread. The man is dead. I'm, I'm... Why would, oh, Catherine, why would she make that up? Marlene's always been a good friend. Truly. Great. Listen, I think it would be a really great idea mm -hmm. for you to, for you to take Aunt M and go to Marseille, the, to the summer house for a couple of weeks. Well, it's not the season. That's, that's just ridiculous. Why am I doing that? Because I'm asking you to. Hmm. All right. Very well. Do you need the house? I mean, is this, is this what is this? No, I, I will be away for a couple of weeks. And I would feel a lot better if I knew you were someplace where you could get access to excellent wine and fish at a moment's notice. Please go to the summer house. Well, I'll, I'll just have to wrap It's a May, Uncle. Up. I'll, I'll just have to wrap a few things up here. And then um, make a per, uh, intimidate or persuasion roll. I'm intimidate, so. Oh, good. So how are you going to intimidate him to go? <laughs> I don't know. Well, Don't think make that me one come through. down there. Don't make me fly home and kick your ass. Do I have to count to ten, Uncle? I'll burn the chateau to the ground. <laughs> All right, making a roll. No, My uh, uh, go ahead. The intimidate's yeah. good, but give okay. me a little something-something. Give me a little something? Yeah. something-something. Well, Uncle, you know that strange things have been happening in the past few past few days correct oh, terrible the, terrible things ter exactly without giving away too much without saying too much to you to i me. would hate to you yes i would hate it for you to continue being around and involved in these terrible happenings i mean the gala you were there the bookshop you were there the the, the hospital Kef fire i was there Kefer, do you think they're after me Uncle, I don't know. My God. Yes. So maybe... This plot goes deep! Maybe, Uncle, it would be pertinent for you to take Aunt M and go to the summer house. Because you never know who's listening. Is that code? No, actually go to the summer house. Oh. Unless, you have, unless you have another one. I don't know. Right. The summer house. I understand completely. Correct. We're Good. on our way. Glad we're on the same page. Pack I will everything. contact you back at this number in Unde Arote. All right? Fantastic. Right. Fantastic, Uncle. Okay. And please be sure to give Marlene my thanks about Matthew. Ubai gay. Ubai gay, Uncle. Ubai gay. <laughs> Okay, so, John, you also wanted to make a phone call at the same time, but you said to the local club, I correct? did. <clears throat> um, before I make the call, I, um, I, I kind of pull Faye aside a little bit and okay. say, um, I need your father's address in Brooklyn. And I know this is going to sound strange, but I need, um, I need something you know, your father knows, that only you would know. Call it a password of sorts. Here's his address in Brooklyn. And I jot down the address for him on a piece of paper. And as for something he would know, it was the phrase when I was younger and my mother used to read to me, she would only ever read me the book Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. 
it was her absolute favorite and I know the book cover to cover my father knows the book cover to cover but Jane Austen he'll know it's me okay so I excuse myself and go to the other room okay um and I go ahead and place a call to the uh, the Berlin uh, chapter of the club. Yep. And I ask for uh, for Hans Wieldorf. So uh, another gentleman uh, comes back on the phone. He says, I'm sorry, sir, but uh, Hans, uh, sir, uh, Herr Er Wieldorf, I think my German, Herr Wieldorf yeah, yeah. uh, is, uh, is gone for the evening. He will be back he, in tomorrow. This, um, this is an unusual request. But it is one um, that uh, that might be time sensitive, and have some urgency about it. Is there someone else that I could speak to, or someone else? If I gave you the information, you might be able to contact. I do have ways of reaching him, sir. May, uh, who am I speaking with? So I I give him my name. Okay. I explained to him, you know, just came from London. To, uh, you know, the local club's information was given to me. Uh, by Mr. Beddoes from the London Club. And then I relate to him, one of my uh, travel mates um, from this mission that we're on and that there seems to be some sort of danger in stateside in Brooklyn. And I ask him if there's any possibility for him to look into seeing, uh, you know, sending a, a contingent from the Brooklyn Club or the New York Club over to uh, to Faye's father's house. And uh, if, if they're to spirit him away to a safe house of some sort and that uh, Faye will be in, t in touch, you know, shortly. What he suggests, so let, he'll, he'll do it like this. What you're asking, sir, is, um, is definitely a unique situation. You are from, which you are not from the London office either. Is, you are from which? I am from the Portugal Club. Ah, from Lisbon. The club. The club in Lisbon. Are you a fairly recent member? Uh, when well, I, I ask only because you may already know someone who might be able to assist you. Are you a long-standing member or somewhat newer? I've been a member uh, mainly tasked with uh, efforts of research. This is my first time in the field. So, in the last few years? Yes. You may have received a, a missive from a Mr. Allard. Does mm -hmm. this name ring familiar? It does. He is in the New York branch. Uh, with the time difference there, you might actually be able to reach him. So you think I should just make the call directly to Mr. Allard? To explain the situation, sir, through a third party, if you know the actual particulars, um, and he is familiar with your name, and I have not yet met you, uh, this yep. number could have been wrested from someone. I do not mean to put you off, but I have not formally been introduced. But if you are f familiar with that name, as it sounds you are, then I would suggest going that route at least until we have a chance to get you inside the halls of our establishment. Keeper, what... How much contact information would I have in me? I, I don't believe I'd have the New York phone number on me, right? These clubs, Scott, they're they're not secret. What they do is somewhat secret, but they're all in the in the pages. Um, it's not like you can't find I it. Have, I could have an operator connect me. Then. Yep, okay. and and that would be something that could happen, uh, or a so telegram. I, but if you're looking to make a fast contact, 
Uh, the yep. call will take a few, you know, a few minutes to connect, It'll but it will we'll go through. Yeah. She'll ring you so back. I, I thank him for his time. Okay. And, uh, and hang up. And then I, I contact the operator and request an international line. Okay. Um, to the States. Yep. And that call is going to take a couple minutes to complete. They will ring you back. Mm-hmm. So okay. you understand why, like, it may make more sense to the branch you're dealing with at the moment since you haven't been there yet, right? That they're going to, yep. they would want to refer you directly as opposed to, because they just haven't met you. They don't know who you are yet. Yeah. And the numbers, like I said, these numbers to call in, anybody could pick up a phone and eventually figure out how to get to the Cobalt Club. So it until you present yourself with your credentials or your rings and everything, they don't know you. Okay. So Sid, Faye, Catherine, everybody's getting dressed for the evening while, uh, Professor John is putting on his finery and waiting for a call. Dressing for dinner. Dinner. Very good. Faye wants to, because she overheard the conversation mm-hmm. that Catherine was having, yep. and she just kind of wants to see what's going on. Not because, like, she's, I mean, she is a little nosy, but more because, I mean, Catherine seemed really upset. You can say she's, she's nosy. No, she is nosy, but also she sees that you're upset and she wants to see what's going on um he doesn't have a lot of friends so wants to make some more so she's kind of inching to see if she can make friends so um he just comes up and to get too close Catherine kind of gives a little bit of space because she's noticed that Catherine's someone who really values her space and she just goes so uh Phone call. You all uncle, right? yeah. To my uncle, yeah, it went really well. Um, he, I think he took the, the message, and he's gonna go to the summer house that he has, out in France. So I think, phone call went great. It was really, okay, beneficial. So, so I take it your uncle wasn't the one who had a, hole in his head who you had pronounced dead on the scene. Oh, that part. Hmm. We have adjoining rooms. Is the door closed? You can close it. I get up and I close the door. Suddenly. Yeah, but everybody's getting dressed, so the girls are probably separate. From oh, that. yeah. yeah like, that makes sense. Ladies' time. Shut the door. Yeah. If there's a mini bar, she pours herself a stiff one. Um... A lady bar. A lady bar. <laughs> <laughs> I go to the lady bar. I said mini. <laughs> The oh, mini bar. Lady, no, she said mini. Lady, the lady bar. So let me get so this straight. You thought she said I go to the lady bar for a stiff one? Is that what you're saying? Yes, though? I did. Okay, I did. That's that's so And I thought that is Lauren. That is exactly. And then she go, Oh, that's not what I meant. That is so Lauren. I want to rename it the lady bar. So now on <laughs> all of the games that I ever play, whenever there's a bar, it's here. The lady bar. Going at the lady bar. It's where we're going when we finish all this up, the lady bar. So get ready, folks. The booze is cheap and the buck goes far, the lady bar. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm I'm recounting something terrible. Let me recount. Go ahead. Sorry. So Catherine is clearly uncomfortable. She's not happy. So you know I fought in the war, right? Well, not fought. Oh. I, I, I was there. I was there. I served. I helped people. You meet people. Okay. You have lunch with people. You exchange promises and words and shiny gold rings with people. And then people get shot in the head. 
is this your way of telling me that your husband or fiance, someone you had a ring with, and he is mysteriously not shot in the head now? Well, you see, the thing is, old school friend of mine shows up at my uncle's house with the great news that Matthew's alive. You know this school friend. This definitely isn't just a quote-unquote, I do air quotes, friend that is supposedly keeping track of my father right now. This is someone that you know, that you trust. My initial response was one of distrust, and I still am not entirely sure I believe it, because, to put it bluntly, I pronounced him dead. So... Couldn't have been a... Stake. Staken? There's, it's really hard to misdiagnose a gunshot wound to the head. Of course, of course. Um, all right, well, this is obviously... He's supposedly, and he was last seen in Venice, supposedly, ten days ago. Now, one of these infernal items that we have to look for is in Venice. Book of Sin. We're going to Venice next. I don't care. If I'm going by myself, I'll look for the damn book on my own. No, you won't. You won't go by yourself. I have also lost people who are close to me. I'll try to help you as best as I can to find Matthew, but also to find the book. So don't worry, you have an ally in me. And I would appreciate if we don't... This was bad enough this conversation. I don't want to have to relive this too many more times. Okay, no, so... say more. They won't, they won't hear it from me. Okay, the phone rings it's... back in your room, John. Alright, I answer it. Got a line to the uh, to the U.S.? Yes, uh, the, phone, the uh, phone will ring now through to the Cobalt Club in Manhattan. Hold, please. Rings a couple times. Cobalt Club. I uh, identify who I am and um, uh, request uh, if there is uh, someone in charge I could speak with, perhaps Mr. Allard. Mr. Allard. Uh, one moment, sir. Let me see if he is in. Go ahead and give me a luck roll. No. I've lost some luck, so that is not... Okay. You want to push now, it and try again? Yeah. Okay. Give it a roll. That is successful. Okay. Phone picks up. He says, Mr. Al will be with you one moment, sir. He was in a meeting, but if you could just hold on. He was just finishing up. Thank you, sir. Comes on. Allard, can I help you? Now, I've spoken to him before, right? Keeper? You've had communication with him, yes. I'm not sure how many phone calls, well, but you've spoken, you know, you've telegraphed. He would recognize your name. Kent Baby. Not, not, that, not that familiar? No. <laughs> Kent Baby? No. <laughs> not quite that familiar. It's the godfather um, of your third boy. <laughs> so I, I identify myself and uh and, oh and thank you for taking my call um i uh i fill him in briefly okay on uh on our happenings that uh we you know we find ourselves uh, seemingly on a somewhat important mission here okay um and that there seems to be forces aligning against us all right um and i uh let him know that one of my uh, companions, Faye Dawson, um, who I remind him is um, somebody that the club has uh, has uh, is aware of, mm -hmm. um, 
is uh, her, she's from Brooklyn, and her father, uh, she received a strange communique that seems to have some threatening undertones to it, that her father actually might be in danger there. And we're afraid that it might be some sort of some sort of uh, veiled threats on our family or those close to us to try to, uh, you know, to try to, to, to affect us in the mission that we're on. So I'm requesting if there's any way that, um, you know, any contingency could be sent to check on her father and if, if possible, maybe to put him up in some sort of safe house for the time. I'm going to give you an option. You said you gave him a brief accounting of what's happened. If you want to spend five luck, burn it up right now. I'll say that you've mentioned something of particular interest that may spark a reaction from your allies in New York. That's intriguing. What the hell? Let's do that. Okay. So... In passing, you mention Rose Edith Kelly, Crowley Affair. You kind of give him the dumbed-down version. And the name from Catherine's report from the Asylum, the name Caravaggio. Caravaggio. You, You just sort of drop it. You're giving him a bunch of names, and you're like, Kent, I know this is a lot to take in. But the only name I can attach to this so far from the fake cop to the guy I killed in the Anubis mask, the only guy that doesn't seem to be there but is, I don't know, this Dr. Caravaggio, he was, he's the one that let Rose out. And you hear, you hear him say, John, say that again. I want to make sure I can hear you through this connection. What name? And I repeat it okay. clearly. And he says, John... What number can I reach you at? I give him the uh, the room number and extension at the hotel. He says, let me get on this Dawson thing. I'll get back in touch with you in a couple hours. I let him know that um, I give him the address, and I tell him that uh, if we are to send people over to tell her father that Jane Austen sent us. He says this to you. Caravaggio, John, keep your head down. And he hangs up. And that's where the 1130 hour will find us. So I want to thank everybody for tonight. Uh, this was a lot of inf- more of a RP feely type thing and then getting into the... Me- but you're, believe it or not, you're already started to crack into some of these little divots in Berlin and things will start to come very clear very quickly uh, when it comes to investigating in the Reichstag. So uh, I want to thank John, uh, Scott rather, Lauren, Belinda, and Joel for joining us. Uh, thank you all for listening. <laughs> Thank you, Keeper. No, thank you. But from all of us here at the Barta College with Cthulhu and Cairo, we thank you, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cthulhu and Cairo. You can like, share, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. The music you're listening to is Return of the Mummy by the great Kevin McLeod. Join us next time to see where our intrepid explorers find themselves next.